This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I am so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. Hello friends and welcome to another episode. Are you guys in for an absolute treat? In the house is unstoppable Tracy and you are soon going to find out exactly why this phenomenal human is known as unstoppable. She is a number one award-winning international speaker and TEDx speaker who has shared stages with people like John Travolta, Jane Fonda, and Mark Wahlberg. She's also spoken in over 40 different countries. Tracy is single-handedly responsible for bringing Uber, the massive brand Uber, into Canada. She has 10x her income in the last two years. She's a humanitarian and an accomplished athlete, having captained a 110-foot-tall ship, climbed the Himalayan mountains, and Oprah Winfrey magazine shared her story as quest for the gold World Cup sailor. Tracy is truly unstoppable. She is a phenomenal human being. And by the way, did I mention Tracy is a born four-way amputee? So let's get right into it and listen to what this amazing woman has to share with all of us. Thank you, Tracy, for being on the show today. I feel so incredibly honored to have you here. You are such a successful entrepreneur, an international number one international speaker that has spoken in over 40 countries and has recently had her story shared in the Daily Goldcast, I understand, with over 10 million views. You have come into Canada, which is absolutely amazing. When I um, heard that Uber had been denied and you were pivotal in getting them into Canada, I thought that was so incredible. Tell us why people call you Unstoppable Tracy. How have you created all this success, Tracy? <laughs> you know, I think I'm I'm super lucky to have been born limitless. And I, I spell limitless with a, a B, like L-I-M-B, limitless, because I am born uh, without my legs, limitless. And I am... So excited that you didn't introduce me as a four-way amputee. Uh, what that means is I'm missing my arms and I'm missing my legs. But, you know, the fact of being born limitless is kind of where Unstoppable came from. When you said, where's your first Unstoppable? And it did start in as as a child. I remember, you know, the, the 10 million viewed in 10 day viral video that just blew my mind in 2019. It's just happening all right now, hot and heavy and growing. Hopefully by the time your listeners hear this podcast, there's 11 million views for all we know. But it was a story about being denied into the school. Like I was super excited first day and the principal says, I'm sorry, you can't come. 
And, you know, a lot of us get underestimated as entrepreneurs and, and worse. You know, sometimes we're like a, a woman in this man's world and everybody's in suits in the room. And we start to wonder, like, do I have a place in this space? Or we're trying to get fundraising or we're trying to get sponsorship or generate a sale. And we just sort of feel like, well, all these people have MBAs on their business card and you may or may not have an MBA. And, and we wonder, do we have like this valuable contribution? And it was like that with the school. And uh, what was great, and I'll, we'll share that link uh, in and around social media and places so that people can see it on Instagram and Absolutely. on Facebook for our shares. But the, the short of the story is mom counteroffered and she said, can we just try Tracy for a week? And, and, he, and he was able to agree to a week, right? She spoke to his listening in a friendly way, right? She didn't try to convince him that I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. She just, she counteroffered something that he could digest in like a small chunk. And it turns out, you know, I was the only kid in the class out of 30 that knew how to tie their shoelaces. And, and you know, part of that's because I was born a four-way amputee, right? So many people spent so much time, oh, she's got to get into school, and they write home, and they tell you, you got to be able to tie your shoelaces. So I had all these wonderful people in my life that were focused on, okay, and me, myself, let's figure out how to tie shoelaces without hands. And so I was the only kid in the class. And how come I'm the only kid with no hands required to be able to tie my shoelaces to be there, right? And and it didn't wow. make any sense. And it makes sense. How does one teacher with 30 kids and no assistance, because in the 70s, there weren't educational assistants or support workers, depending on where you are in the world, you have different names for the people that help out in a classroom with a child with a disability that might need some one-on-one. -on -one. That didn't exist in the 70s in Canada. And so it makes sense, this one teacher with 30 kindergarten kids, 35 year olds that's how old I was. That would have been busy. <laughs> that would have been busy. But it, it, so they run outside at recess and he's trying to find me and I'm not there. And the reason I wasn't there was that I was inside tying all these shoelaces. And by the time I tied 30 shoelaces, the recess bell had gone off. And so here I am getting this relationship where I feel like I'm going to be a burden and maybe I can't stay in this school. And here I had this valuable contribution. I was all, I was a shoelace leader. And I, I didn't want to be the shoelace leader, right? I just wanted to be in the playground with the rest of them. And and I was happy to be the shoelace leader, but it wasn't my intention. I just wanted to be in that playground. And I think a lot of the listeners that are beginning entrepreneurs or, you know, moms going back into the workforce or just people getting started, leaving a job or in a job and hoping to, to be busy enough that they can confidently leave their job. You know, we just want to be in that business playground. And, and sometimes it just takes that faith in self, like, I need to be here, I deserve to be here, and, and want to be on that playground more than anything, that you figure out, okay, what can I counter offer that gets my foot in the door? And it's not about Tracy, 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 not about I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. It's not about you can do it. It's about what's their listening, right? What are they keen on? That principal was worried about being stuck with me. That principal was worried about not being able to help me and being overwhelming the teacher with 30 other kids. So mom counteroffered. She's like, oh, can we just try for a week? If it doesn't work out, no problem. But can we just try? And that he felt he could chew on. 
And so it's it's about speaking to others listening. But what happened that day was the teacher says to the principal, oh, Tracy's unstoppable. She went and tied everybody's shoelaces. She said there was for nobody to be left behind. And we got to have everybody included. And it's so funny because we were all worried about her being included. And she's the one making sure. And so that day, they called me unstoppable, Tracy. And, you know, when I started skiing, again, they said, I'm sorry, we can't help your daughter. She's a four-way amputee. And mom said, can we just try? It's okay if it doesn't work out. And and I, and I wiped out like 12 times. Uh, but I got up again, right? That's Denzel Washington has his story where he talks about, you know, I fell down nine times and I got up 10, right? The failure is just somebody who stops trying. Success is you try one more time, one more time than the last guy did. And so that's, they called me without knowing the kindergarten story and skiing, they called me Unstoppable Tracy. And then in sailing, I kept falling out of the boat and they said, we don't think it's for Tracy. And I kept at it. And then next thing you know, in sailing, they're calling me Unstoppable Tracy. And, uh, you know, the first summer sailing, I failed and, and all the other kids passed. Uh, but I still wanted to go back for who knows what reason, you know, wonderful child naivete. But my heart of heart knew my gut said I'm a sailor. And some of you like I know I'm an entrepreneur. I know I should be working for myself. I know my story is worth sharing with the world. But we get overwhelmed by writing the book or figuring out social media, or finding the funding. You know, everybody says, don't use your own dollars. Invest with other people's dollars. We get overwhelmed with all of this great entrepreneurial advice, and then we, we begin to doubt ourselves. But you knew somewhere, somehow, you got started, and I knew I was going to sail. I felt the wind. I felt the water was my world. And so when I went back, just like in business, sometimes we're like inside ourselves and we're like buried in our laptop and buried inside our home or buried inside our desk, inside ourselves and inside our concerns. And in sailing, we get our head inside the boat. Is it this line? Is it that tiller? Is it where do I sit? And 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 I kept falling out of the boat because I have no legs. So four-way amputee, my arm's missing above my elbow on the left side and my legs are missing above my knees because this is a listening podcast. I've a little over descriptive, but just above knees. And then on the right side, I'm missing my right hand. And I have an unusual elbow, but I do have a bit of an arm on the right side. And so in the sailing world, I kept having my head inside my boat. And and in and, but when I learned, get my head out of the boat, look ahead and see what's around me. And I could see, oh, there's some dark patch of water. That means there's wind there and I'm sailing towards the dark patch of water where the wind is, the boat's going to heal. And because I have no legs, I used to fall out of the boat without feet or hands to hold myself in the boat. But once I got my head out of the boat, once you get your head out of your business, head out of yourself and look ahead and look around you and see what's coming and see what to brace for and see what to prepare for and prepare for it. You end up balancing and I ended up balancing in the boat once I could see that the wind was coming and I could balance in the boat. But see, all the other kids that summer, they all got white sail level two and I caught up. I got the white sail level one and I failed and I got my white sail level two like they all did. But because my head was out of the boat and I learned how to balance, I was doing advanced stuff. I was doing bronze, uh, white sail level three and bronze four stuff. 
So sometimes we feel like we're falling out of the boat, but all we're doing is the advanced study backwards, right? We're just, we're, we're learning what not to do. And that is just going to exponentially thrive us, you know? And, and so in sailing, they called me unstoppable too, because once I went from failing one summer to doing four levels of sailing the next summer, right? I, I learned how to really read the wind that turned me into this world cup sailor many years later with able-bodied men, men with their arms and their legs. Melbourne, Australia, there was a World Cup regatta, an Olympic class regatta. Olympic meaning able-bodied people, an Olympic class qualifying regatta. And I sailed in it. And there were 27 able-bodied Viking-like men with big muscles and huge and three women. Yeah, it was great for my dating life. <laughs> and there were only three women. And I was one of the three. But I was the only one out of 30 with no arms and no legs. And they were World Cup able-bodied Olympic class qualifying regatta, Melbourne, Australia. If you Google that particular regatta, I'm in the Melbourne papers <laughs> for That's that particular incredible. regatta. Yeah. And I was falling Australia, out of the boat. So, you know, there'll be a lot of Australian people listening to that story. So yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in there for them to have a look. Nice. Melbourne Olympic class regatta. M-O-R-C-R. Beautiful. <laughs> You are absolutely incredible and you are so, so accomplished. You spoke about people having limits in their own life and how you became limitless and decided that you were going to be limitless in life. Um, that's something that I know myself I've struggled with is my self-imposed limitations and I know so many people listening have struggled with the same thing, whether it be in our business or, or on our entrepreneurial journey or in life or in relationships. Yeah. What would you say to people to to help them? What sort of tips could you give them to to help them to get out of their funk, to get out of their own head? Because sometimes, you know, you see all these motivational quotes and what people are saying on social media, just this, just that. But sometimes it's hard to move from the place you are at when you are when you've got these limiting um, beliefs about yourself and your abilities, which quite often come from childhood. Um, yeah. A place where you can actually break through those walls oh yeah very powerful framing and question it's so true and I, I mean the worst thing in the world the worst thing in the world worse than you know the horrific things that people imagine for you or I or listeners that we can't even begin to imagine what's going on in their world the worst thing in the world is a good reason is a good excuse you know it is it's it's not even it's almost harsh to call it an excuse but I have every excuse in the world to as a four-way female in a male-dominated sport to not be in that Melbourne Australia regatta I've even got a lot of people that are telling me not to go that it's unrealistic that I go and, and no support to go. So the worst thing in the world is a really good excuse or reason that gives us a right and a justification to be on that couch, for example, or to be held back or to wait. I'm just going to wait or right now isn't the time or have these very real nobody would blame you for reasons or excuses. The worst thing in the world is a good excuse. But the bonus 
to being no excuses is no limits. No excuses, no limits. And I, I was really, you know, I was, I, I was on a lawn and I'm going childhood again. And I, I, you know, really framed with you before we got on this call about let's talk business, let's talk business. But my head keeps going there. And it's funny. I was on a lawn, uh, my lawn, my front lawn. And I was sad because the kids were on another lawn next door and there was a gravel driveway between us. And so I have stumps. I have thighs. I don't have knees or anything below the knee. But to walk across gravel kind of on my knees would be kind of painful, right? And uh, there's these kids on this other lawn, and they're all playing on, and it's almost like they're taunting me, right? They're almost like, we're playing, and you can't get to us, and you're not playing with us. And it was sort of like a, almost like a passive bullying kind of thing going on. And, and, and I don't know that it was. It could have just been they were playing, and they were too young to be outside of themselves to notice that I couldn't get to them, you know? And my mom... She opened the door and she saw I was sad and, and, and she said, well, how's that working for you? And then she just shut the door. And, and I had every right to be sad on that front lawn, right? I couldn't play with those kids in my eyes, but it wasn't working for me. And it, it was just whatever made her say that, that just kind of worked for me. And, and, I, and I said, it's not like to myself in my head, like, oh, it's not working for me. And so... I, 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 because I did my legs on, right, I rolled down my front lawn. There's a big hill on our street. All the front lawns had hills. So I rolled down the lawn. And at the bottom of my lawn, I like to say I borrowed, not stole. There was a skateboard at the bottom of my lawn on the road. <laughs> and I got, <laughs> I borrowed, yeah, I borrowed the skateboard. And I, and I used the one long arm that I have, no hand, but long arm. And I used the longer arm and I, I, bum shuffled on the skateboard over to their lawn and I rolled up their lawn, rolled up their hill to where they were. And they were all like big eyed, like, holy cow. Right. And they all were kind of silent and, and numbstruck at the, in the moment, which was, which was fabulous. And I was scared out of my mind. Right. I sound like I'm being super courageous, but I was petrified, but it was, wasn't working for me being alone on that other lawn sad right so I get up there they're big eyed and then I could see a kid about to open his mouth and the look in his eyes were like okay he's he's ready to say you can't play like that's what I made it mean I don't know what it meant but that's what I made it mean by the expression on his face and I knew then I like I had to talk before he does and I, I get the biggest friendliest eye contact I could facing the scariest face in the bunch and said hi I'm Tracy. Can I play? And, and of course, there's a whole lawn full of kids, right? And so someone else on the lawn's like, yeah. And then the tough guy says, yeah, the new kid is always it first. Right? Oh, and wow. they were playing. Yeah. Like he was really pulling it on, right? At the time. As they do and to I, all kids, yeah. right? All kids. Nothing to do with being arms or legs. He would have said that to the new kid every time, right? Mm -hmm. I could, we could all make it mean whatever we want. It was just what he said. And, 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 I, and I could have said, oh, right? Like, oh, I don't, well, what are you playing? And I don't know if I can or all of that. But I knew that wasn't the answer. What he needed to hear was, okay. So I had no idea how, but I, I knew I was going to make it work. And it was going to work or it wasn't. But at that point, the next step involved me saying, okay. 
And we played tag on the grassy lawn. And nobody ran. I don't know why, but nobody ran off the lawn to the gravel driveway. They all stayed on the grass. They all stayed on the lawn. And it was easy for me to roll around and play tag. Like, and, 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 I, and that was it. I was in. And it was no, and, and, you know, with skiing, we had no idea how I was going to ski. And we weren't going to figure that out on a couch at home. We could have, you know, there was no Googling it when I learned to ski, no arms, no legs skier, right? Like it just didn't happen. Yeah. And anybody with paralysis or missing legs, they use a sit ski, but I don't have hands. So the outriggers weren't working for me with no hands. We duct taped the outriggers like poles with skis on my, on my arms, but it wasn't enough control with the duct tape. <laughs> but so what we did though, though, we're sitting on a bench and we're thinking my my ski instructor, he had size 12 ski boots as a man. And what we did is we took my thighs, we took my legs off again, and we put my thighs in men's ski boots. Wow. And how, yeah. And, that's how, and I just skied with no poles. And I learned how to ski. And I wiped out 12 times, and the boots would fall off my thighs. But we that's how we started. And we weren't going to figure it out on a couch at home. And that's the same with as you know, how did I become successful and thrive is, you know, I wasn't going to figure out social media over and over in my head. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Isn't the answer is I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. I don't know how I'm going to get a website, but I'm going to figure it out. So you, you kind of, you exceed that uncertainty, even though you don't know, feeling uncertain, feeling scared is no excuse for inaction. And, and, and even though you don't know how, that, that's not the reason to stop. You embrace the possibility you're going to figure it out. You don't know how, but you know you're going to figure it out. You're going to master this. You are going to be successful. You are going to be the best mom in the world. You are going to be the best entrepreneur. You're going to be the best author. You are going to be the best at whatever it is. You're going to be the best cookie maker. You're going to be the best fundraiser. You're going to be the best salesperson. Like whatever you're going to be, you choose to be, you can be the best. You just have to decide it. And then you do whatever it takes to make it happen. And so you exceed uncertainty and you embrace possibility. And, and that's why the worst thing in the world is a really good excuse. Because sometimes you have a right to be on that couch. And, and, but if you believe no excuses, you have no limits. Absolutely. Um, a lot of what you said there was, you know, about taking action. When you yeah. talked about um, being petrified with going over to the kids, you were on the porch and, I mean, obviously your mum has been pivotal as our mums are in our lives with how we, we grow up and, and the thoughts we have which will affect who and what we do in our future yeah. adult lives. That question that she asked you, sometimes it's a very simple question that, um, pushed you to go over there and although you felt petrified I think is what you said you felt that fear and you did it anyway and I think yeah. that is something that um, we can all use in any area of our lives I personally I've done that many times I've gone right feel the fear and do it anyway I've been so petrified to do many things in my own life and god damn it feels good after yeah. you've actually done it you're like oh wow I so awesome I'm okay just yeah. pop up, you know, I survived. Okay. Yeah. The more you do it, I think, and I don't know if you'd agree, the more yes. you do these types of actions, the easier they become. 
Yes. And that's why I am lucky to be born limitless. I'm lucky to be born a four-way amputee because I was five when I started to do that. I got that muscle memory of, wow, it pays off to take risks. It pays off to be courageous. And it's the only way I'm going to get into that school. It's the only way I'm going to get to play tag. I wasn't a hero. I was just a kid that wanted to play. And that meant I had to do whatever it took. And then you, 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 you be courageous. But courageous isn't without the fear. Courageous is with the fear, in spite of the fear. And so that's why I was lucky to be limitless because it's true. Sometimes as children and growing up, if we, if, if we are not given those hard knocks of some sorts, like you see people, I, you know, I, people that have lived a life of some, some hard tales, it, when they get through it and they've done whatever it took to get through it, they're really good at getting through anything. So that's when I ended up in 20 countries in 2018. And that's when I become, instead of a sailor falling out of a boat, a World Cup sailor. And instead of a skier wiping out in the trees, a bronze medalist. And and because you do whatever, that exhilaration of breakthrough, of making it, how lucky am I at five years old when the principal said no? At five years old, some of us make that mean we're too fat, we're too short, I'm a girl, I can't do that, I'm too tall for ballet, I'm too short for basketball, you know, we make up these stories, or I'm not smart, uh, or I'm, you know, all, all these silly things that we, well, I'm not beautiful, who knows, right, what we make up in our mind. But at yeah. five years old, I got to learn that no, N-O, just means they don't know, K-N-O-W. No means they don't know, I don't know, somebody doesn't know, K-N-O-W. No doesn't mean no, stop. When uh, I mean, and I'm not talking like man and woman and sexual stuff yeah, here, of I'm, right? I'm just talking when you're trying to make the sale, when you're trying to fundraise, when you're trying to figure out social media, when someone's declining you a promotion, wh- whatever it might be, or your teenager and she wants you want her to wear, you don't want her midriff so exposed, right? No doesn't mean yeah. no. It means K N O W. And how lucky am I at five years old? And I'm told no every day. People look at me without my arms and my legs. And, and like I'm ordering a cup of tea in a coffee shop. And, uh, and, and they, they're like, oh, no, who do I hand this to? Right? And I'm there alone. They're like me. <laughs> That's why I'm asking for it. Right? That's why I'm reaching out to grab it. Right? But so, you know, very simple things to super complicated promotions. So that no means no. N-O means K-N-O-W. By counter-offering to speak to somebody else's listening, somebody else's filter, somebody else's needs. Not what you believe, but what is it that they need to hear? Like, that's how Uber was told, no, 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 no. And in my brain, at five years old, and now at, I think I was 40 when that conversation happened, is it just means K-N-O-W. They just don't know. Right. And 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 the city is just seeing a whole bunch of taxi drivers who are really petrified about losing their jobs and their money. And and the, and the city doesn't want all these angry people. And the, and the taxi drivers are smart because they're talking to the world in Canada and they're saying and the world all over. I would 20 countries, 2018. I saw Uber in every single one of them. And, and the taxi drivers, they say, oh, Uber's not safe. Uber doesn't have insurance. 
you know, Uber's not vetted. Like they say things to scare the public so that this so that the public support them in petitioning the city. And the reality is they have to have insurance. They have to be safe. And sometimes their cars are even safer. Like taxi drivers, they often get into a system where they have ways to get their car approved. Uh, and not, not everybody's going to be corruptly getting their car approved. But if you want a, a, a car that's not safe approved, you can find somebody that's going to approve it. Right? You're going to figure it out. You're going to smart go-getter people figure it out. So the thing was is how do we let those taxi drivers know you're not losing because Uber isn't the stick-your-hand-out-on-the-street-on-demand ride. And the trouble with taxis is that they don't provide an on-demand ride for many audiences, like somebody in a wheelchair, like somebody who's got a dog, like somebody who's pregnant, like somebody with big suitcases, like somebody, you know, last minute you're in an airport and it's after midnight and you have big suitcases or you have a wheelchair or you have a dog and now you need to get home and your flight's changed and your prearranged ride won't come at this time anymore. And and so now you need... but. The taxis don't have the accessible vehicle, and I don't mean accessible with a wheelchair ramp. I mean, that's a possibility, but able to access that's good enough for a walker, a cane, a suitcase, a wheelchair, a pregnant lady, somebody with crutches, somebody that just wants extra space, like needing a big vehicle and on demand. And that's not available in the taxi world. So what was perfect is the city has a bigger problem of on-demand rides, and they're not fairly and equitably, so therefore the human rights, even in the United Nations, they're not providing fair and equitable transportation. So they're they're illegally not taking care of their city's needs, but they're hearing these noisy taxi drivers. So when you talk about on-demand rides, which is an area that's a gap for the city, and it's an area that taxi drivers don't want because they don't want to take care of those bigger vehicles. And Uber has Uber accessible vehicles, and they've got Uber Assist, and they're taking care of other pieces. And one of the reasons taxis are so expensive was that there was a small group of owners of these vehicles that monopolize the medallions and the licenses for these cabs. And so then they charge a really massive borrow my license fee. So you could buy like my my cab has got it, the medallion that I inherited from my great grandfather, for example, and it's handed down the line. So the reason taxis were so expensive was because of the licensing system that their owners were charging on them and passing those costs on to the taxi driver. But with Uber, there's so much available that there wasn't. There was no value to those medallions anymore. They could just go to the no medallion vehicle. So it got rid of that corrupt medallion license system that no other, no restaurant, no flower shop, no spa, no grocery store, no other business does this licensing system grandfathered down. Taxis are the only one. So Uber needed to disrupt the norm in the way it had been done with the licensing system that was actually driving costs to taxi drivers. And when you eliminate those costs, taxi drivers can be competitive with Uber again. And so I cared because I was an on-demand needer of an accessible vehicle at wacky hours. Like, God forbid, somebody asks me out on a date and I spontaneously need a ride. 
that I hadn't planned for seven days in advance or that my flight after 20 countries in 2018, and you can imagine, I think at least 20 countries had uh, busted connections. So your flight never really lands on the time that you, you think it's going to. So your prearranged transportation doesn't work. Like mm -hmm. there's so many needs or, or your son or daughter gets the flu in school and you're out at work or you're in an important meeting. So you call your, your mother or your older neighbor, somebody who's not working and retired that might happen to use a walker or something and, and, or, or they've got their dog with them because that's their social super or whatever. They just happen to have a pet with them. And so now they can't get in a cab because cab drivers don't want pets in their vehicle. But with Uber, they can get their walker, their cane, or their pet, and they can come babysit your son that's sick in school that day because you've got this emergency meeting that you can't get away from. And so there's on-demand rides are needed for lots of people for lots of reasons, and Uber takes care of that. And for me, it was accessible reasons, and it was I was able to speak to you know, all of these and people, people rallied, like the city said, well, guess what, this is what's happening with the licensing system. And they used me to advocate for that reason, because people and, and, and they thought that taxi drivers wouldn't be tough on me, because I had a disability and that I could get out the secret expense behind the scenes, but they weren't, they spat on me, they swore at me, police needed to escort me from city hall to my car. Yeah, my car was was messed up and towed because taxi drivers had arranged for all of that when I was inside. So uh, there was plenty of, that and I had no idea. idea. Isn't that crazy? I was at a fundraiser the week before, uh, and I met some mayors. And then the next week, I'm at City Hall advocating for Uber naively. I'm just advocating for accessible transportation. I said, without Uber, we lose Uber Assist. We lose Uber wheelchair accessible vehicles. We lose we lose the on-demand rides that's grossly underrepresented right now. And that's what I went down to say, not not meaning to be a martyr. I just wanted, I just had so much trouble with my flights and getting rides home many, many times. I wanted to advocate, I need, I need on-demand rides and I'm not getting them. And, and this person that was so friendly with me at the fundraiser the week before, this mayor, this MP, this representative of our government came over and like, pushed up against me on this wall and said, you know that fundraising you're trying to make happen? Are you sure you want to talk about Uber? And then walked really? away. Yeah. So clearly taxi drivers had been getting some kind of conversation with MPs for the MP to want to be that passionate about advocating for taxi drivers. I so, just dropped so, the word corruption there. <laughs> yeah, right? And I'm like, and, and I did not plan on being part of being the one that bust into that world. But once I was pulled into it naively, making a stand for on-demand rides at 1 a.m. <laughs> and that I deserved it as much as the next guy. And, and add, a lot of people started to arm me with a whole bunch of interesting information. And that made me the no means they just don't know. And what came with that is they helped taxi drivers with the medallion system. They helped taxi drivers with decreasing you know, frivolous, they had to take like two weeks training on a, a Pearly's book. Well, who uses map books anymore? Everybody uses online maps, right? You mm -hmm. use Waze and Google and you don't need a book, a training on how to read a map book anymore. And they had to take two weeks training on map book reading that they don't even use anymore. And so we needed to 
break up expensive systems for taxis to make it more affordable to be a taxi so that the taxi could be competitive with the Uber. And now we've just have better transportation for everybody with both systems in place. And everybody's insured. Everybody has to be safe. There's none of this nonsense about one safer than the other. And to be honest, I feel safer in Uber. I'd have to agree. And in everything that you just shared, there are so many there are so many lessons even about business and, and change and innovation. And once again, you proved why you are unstoppable because some people would have uh, backed away, you know, if, if people challenged you. So there are plenty of people and plenty of instances in my own life and lots of my clients' lives where they've been challenged and you have that decision to – do I push through with this? Do I believe in it enough? Um, do I believe in right, wrong? Or do I walk away because I have been challenged? And yeah. because you didn't walk away and you stood up for something that you thought was valid, you inadvertently um, became the face of getting Uber into Canada, which is absolutely an amazing achievement. And how many hundreds and thousands of people have benefited um, not only as users of Uber, but people who are able to create another income for themselves. Yes. And, and I mean, and then this is people with disability again, which is like people with hearing loss, like a ton of people are can now be drivers because, without hearing, which is really, you know, because of the society you live in, it's so hard with underemployment. But moms can be drivers and, and people trying to save for one specific thing can be drivers and when you talk to for example uber drivers there are musicians and artists and lawyers and and doctor students you know going to school to be a doctor but they're they're supplementing their income with uber in the meantime outside of their exam hours you know and it's it's fabulous enabler for everybody but uber is like just affordable transportation for so many people and it has nothing to do with accessibility and it and and that's that's what's really interesting. And I think there is a time and place to back down. I'm not saying to never not back down. Just saying, be sure, like really, really look at the, the reason behind you're choosing the couch over facing the tough forward path. And, and it's over. My life, I'm not still being haunted and threatened and all of those things, right? And it's, it's, it's not part of my everyday life. It's, it's done. It's all over. It just was very around because that was, there had been many, many, many meetings and trials and conversations with Uber to break into Canada. And that was the last city hall announcement announcing no Uber's not coming into Toronto. And so that's why I went down to city hall to say, you know, without Uber, there's no Uber assist. And so that's why I caused a, a reopening of the conversation because it was the very last sort of very pivotal, pivotal conversation that was really everybody expected was going to be just the closure of, of Uber in Canada because the taxi drivers had been so powerful in influencing the city. Hey guys, I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed part one of our two-part interview series with Unstoppable Tracy. Isn't she absolutely phenomenal and incredible? Talk about having a different perspective on life and goals and plans after listening to what this woman has achieved. Now, part two is going to be our next episode and you are not going to want to miss this. So tune in for the next episode.
Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today, and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.